The war in Ukraine is approaching the one-year anniversary mark, if you can believe that. And as we approach that one-year mark, what's the latest on security concerns, rising costs, and just the overall impact of this conflict? Once again, we are asking what is up with all the bear spray attacks and what can we do about it? Some rolled doll books have been altered by the publisher. Is this a move to make things more inclusive or is this censorship? And with Joe Biden making an unannounced surprise visit to Kyiv, what's the best people's surprise you ever got? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, February 21st podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Shorter work week, as Drew just mentioned. Woke up this morning. Actually, when I got to work, I started cutting up the... Uh, I had to edit, cut down the sounds of the game. And I grabbed Sunday's sounds of the game. And I spent like 10 minutes working on it. And then I thought, hang on a second. The Jets played the Rangers last night, not the Devils. Oh, yeah, it's Tuesday. Much better outcome last night than Sunday night. Connor Hellebuck metaphorically stood on his head last night, allowed the Jets to win in New York, sweep the season series from the Rangers, and just like that, the Jets are back in the conversation for first place. Not how you want to win, typically, but, uh, you know, you'll take a 50-save performance from your goalie any night that you can get it. So, woohoo! hoo 50 So you, you should just ignore the Sunday sounds of the game, just pretend they never happened. Move on to, to yesterday. That's right. So we'll have those sounds of the game for you this morning uh, as the Jets were victorious last night in Manhattan. And on the uh, the subject of the long weekend, I think the three of us enjoyed it in, in very much different ways. Loren, you had a super adventurous weekend, all kinds of fun. Yeah, we have a, a guest in with us uh, who's visiting from out of province, a young kid, and so he's never been to Manitoba before, so we're trying to show him different things, and the school's done a great job of doing that. We also did the snow maze, we went to a junior hockey game, uh, we just went to some of the kids' hockey games, we did some running around town, and I was laughing, I was saying to you guys, the snow maze, first of all, it's great, like that's a great experience if you haven't been out there for an adult or a kid, but it reminded me of Cam's advice last week when he talked about going to Disney World and all the parents around him when they asked the kids, like, what was your favorite part? They respond, the pool, you know, like not Epcot, not the rides, not even the airplane, just the pool. And so we were at the maze for about three hours and finally like two hours and 30 minutes in, all the parents say to the kids, are you guys going to go to the maze? Because they had spent two hours in this like tiny ring that was built with snow where they played snow soccer and wrestled. Like they were having a great time. Do not get me wrong, but we're like, look over there. There's the mace. There's a tubing hill. There's a luge. There's a snow bar. And they're like, yeah, 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 snow soccer, snow soccer. So, you know, <laughs> it just it just goes to much like they're having a great time together. And you're trying to show them all this stuff, Greg. Yep. And at the end of the day, they're having a hilarious pillow fight in the basement or something, right? Playing some ping pong, laughing with their video games. And playing soccer at a snow maze, you know, like it's just it, if, if, the, if they have fun, they have fun. I think we overestimate the amount of artificial stimulation our kids right. need. Right. And uh, the, the events and the places 
kids just love to be kids and just love to hang out with one another. Now, the video games sometimes are a little bit of a different story. They are a nice little addition to uh, helping entertain our kids. But yeah, we had company on the weekend as well, and uh, the three kids just hung around and they just they just talk and they hang out and they they do stuff and. They don't need any extra help typically, uh, but it always reminds me of buying that great big gift and the kids end up liking the box and the styrofoam peanuts and the bubble wrap as much as they like (laughs) what's inside the Christmas gift that you've been waiting three months for them to open. So maybe we can learn some lessons from from just observing the way the kids are in their natural habitat. Pets, so to speak. pets can be similar as well. And I would, like I think of cats, for example, if I remember buying the cat this fancy new sort of enclosure kind of bed uh, that also had like scratch pads on the sides. <laughs> and uh, where did the cat end up spending more time? In the box sure. that this thing came in. We're like, okay, dude, it's all set up. You can go sleep inside that thing. No, thanks. No, just wanted to hang out in the box. In the box, in the paper bag. Um, so, you know, so while Ren was out enjoying winter and having all kinds of fun, I basically slept all weekend, which is, you know, I can't, I don't want to speak for either of you, but it's basically the thing I covet the most with our schedule is sleep. So to get that extra day and to get that extra sleep, it was like, oh my goodness, it's so nice to actually be in bed for more than eight hours at, in one single shot. But the, the very thing I need, the very thing that's supposed to help us recharge our batteries is also the very thing that almost brought me figuratively, literally to my knees. Uh, or I guess in this case, just to my, I couldn't even get to my feet because I, you know, I mentioned last week that I sort of tweaked my back and my hips and being in bed for those extra few hours. I couldn't even get out of bed yesterday or Sunday morning. It took me five minutes just to pull myself up and onto my feet. And this morning there was a bit of a panic because when my alarm went off, I thought, oh, yeah, an alarm clock. Am I going to be able to get to this thing (laughs) within the next five minutes? Thankfully, because I was only in bed for six hours last night as opposed to eight or nine, I was able to sort of muster the energy to do it. But, yeah, it just uh, it's like, oh, finally get some sleep, and now I can't move. I can't win. The longer you stay in bed, too, the harder it is to get out. More sleep you get, the tireder you are. Sometimes you just mm. you, you reach that threshold, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm not going anywhere today. You're almost angry, like you were like, well, now I just I either have to get up and be productive, or just lay here all day. Like it's it's an either or for me. Sometimes there's no middle ground because once I get into the groove, I want to stay there. What is what do they say about an object at rest tends to stay at rest? Yeah, that was uh, alive and kicking a couple of times this weekend, which was great. Felt great, although at the same time, I got a bunch of stuff done, so it was good. Okay. I've got even more room in my garage, Loren. Oh, come so, on! So if you need uh, if you need me to store anything for you, so you can park your car in your garage, let me know. I might be able to help you out. <laughs> my car's in the garage right now. It's it's nestled in there between some things. It's nestled. Can you get a car in your garage, Greg? Oh yeah, all winter. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can actually. You can actually open the passenger and the driver's side door in there now, which is great. I've been forcing the kids to get out before I drive in, but now I've got room on both sides. It's wonderful. (laughs) 
It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. The search continues this morning for two men wanted in a string of bear spray assaults over the weekend. Yeah, so police say the attack started around 7.30 Sunday morning, Brett, when two victims were chased and sprayed. Then a few hours later, just before 10 a.m., police were called to Portage in Sherbrooke, where a 30-year-old had been sprayed. Ten minutes later! 24-year-old was sprayed on Langside. Police say in that case, she had been had to be taken to hospital because she was also dealing with injuries to her upper body. And then at 12.45 p.m., a 33-year-old man was sprayed at Colony Square and St. Mary Avenue. The suspects uh, in all three incidences uh, are not uh, known to, uh, the, to uh, the victims uh, in each of the cases. Um, so we, we can definitely ascertain from that information that these are random in nature and unprovoked. That was Constable Claude Chauncey of the Winnipeg Police Service. Random and unprovoked, these bear spray assaults. And right now they're still looking for the two suspects. They're two men. They are described as having skinny builds between 20 years of age and between five foot six and five foot eight. And again, they're considered armed and dangerous. Normally that we see uh, some attacks have been happening in the evening time, in the nighttime, in the, in the, in the cloak of darkness, as they say. Uh, this is happening during daytime hours. Uh, so it's very visible uh, and usually witnessed by somebody uh, in a boat in the community. Uh, so we certainly want people to be uh, aware of their surroundings, be aware of who are around them. Uh, if possible, uh, walk with somebody else. Uh, and if they do encounter uh, anybody that uh, they don't know that is trying to connect with them uh, or to try and divert their attention, by all means, make yourself loud, run if you need to, contact 911 so that we can address the, uh, the matters. So assaults with bear spray are on the rise in Winnipeg. We looked at numbers that were shared by police that showed a 43% increase in 2022 compared to 2021. The five-year trend showed a 75% increase. And they're talking about, you know, 900 plus bear spray assaults a year. So two to three times a day, this is happening. But if you actually look at just Google bear spray assaults in Canada, every city appears to be dealing with this. And some people have argued that it's because, you know, there are technically rules around selling bear spray. You know, you have to have photo ID. Um, there are other measures that have to take place for the store to sell it. Whether or not that's happening uh, is one of the questions being asked. And then also the idea that you can get just get it online. So how do you stop the, the use of it being purchased online. So we're going to get more into this when we visit with community advocate Sal Burroughs at 837. But it's kind of one of those things, if you were to confront someone on the street, you're incapacitated once they spray you with that. You don't really have a lot of recourse left, Greg. And so it's a pretty scary thing for those who have been hit with it this weekend. Anytime I hear random associated with any sort of assault, that gets me worked up. That gets me bothered. The fact that people have the nerve to go out and just basically terrorize their uh, either their neighbors uh, or people in a neighborhood that they have nothing to do with. Uh, this is a serious situation. I've been in a, a bear spray situation in a, or mace. I don't know what it was in a bar years ago. It was probably 20, 25 years ago. That is not fun. When somebody discharges that stuff, it, it it's awful, horrible, uh, yucky stuff. Like you, you were directly affected by it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was in a nightclub downtown, and somebody set off. Like I say, I don't know if it was bear spray or mace, but yeah, the, the, the had to empty the club. It was awful. Oh wow. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. If you want to weigh in, and we are going to have more on this, as Loren mentioned, coming up at eight thirty five.
It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We want to give you some tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets take on the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday, February 28th. And we're using Joe Biden as inspiration for this conversation because Joe Biden, U.S. President Joe Biden, made an unannounced visit to Ukraine just days before the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So that was a big surprise. So, Greg, what is the question that uh, you thought of this morning? Ah, Pretty simple. What's your best ever people surprise? The time that somebody surprised you with their presence, maybe showed up unexpectedly at an event or they just came... You know, showed up on your doorstep. Hey, I'm here. I know I'm supposed to be somewhere else, but I'm here. Well, I came here from afar to see you. So share your story with us. 204 780 Let's go around the horn here. Loren, why don't you start us off? Oh, mine's pretty simple. It was my 30th birthday, and uh, it was... I don't know why I was surprised, but my sister was living overseas, and of course I was living in Toronto, and my mom was back in Manitoba, and um, my younger brother and friend of mine said, come to the rooftop of the apartment building we were in, and I opened the door, and there on the rooftop were my mom and my sister, and, oh, I, wow. I, and I, I actually almost fell down crying. I'm, I was so teary about it, because I've said this before, it was in that moment you don't realize how badly you miss somebody until they're right there in front of you, and uh, I think I had just seen them, you know, not too long before that maybe a few months earlier but there was something about being in that moment and having them come all that way and just needing the hug of your mom and your best friend that uh, will stay with me to this day it was a beautiful gift a beautiful surprise and a beautiful gift of people jeff braun what about you oh uh, mine's much less interesting than that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just i was on an airplane i was flying back from i think toronto maybe montreal and i got Back here to Winnipeg, and I'm coming down the escalator, and I look down at the hug rug, and I see uh, my aunt and uncle and a couple of cousins. And I was like, what is going on? I was, I was like, are they here for me? And I was like, no, they can't, that can't be. And they weren't. Uh, they were there for my <laughs> other cousin who happened to be on the same plane, that, and I didn't realize it until we landed. And he had said, oh, I thought I recognized you when you were going to the bathroom, but I wasn't sure, so I didn't say anything. So, But I got a free ride home at the end of the day, so it was all right. <laughs> Pretty good story, if you ask me. (laughs) Boy, Tris, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I was just having some, uh, just before I got married, um, some people were heading over, uh, just over to my uncle's. We were having some, you know, just some steaks and stuff like that. Not much of like a crazy bachelor party, just kind of a get together or something. And my buddy Devin showed up and I hadn't seen him in years. And my brother had enough, um, had enough thought to just shoot him an invite and he just walked up and I, yeah, it was just like exactly what Loren said. It's just like, oh man, like we, we grew up together, elementary school, all that stuff. It's just like, I realized in that moment how much, like I just missed his friendship and that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that was really cool. You still talk? Uh, yeah, every now and then, once in a while, not enough, certainly not enough. Yeah, it's uh, that's a good reminder. You know, there, I, I, there, as I think about it, I have a few friendships that uh, need some it gets maintenance. I don't yeah. know if that's the right word. Yeah, it's almost I, negative, but yeah, I got. It gets reach more out. difficult as you get older. I mean, making the time and your 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 kind of your your big circle kind of shrinks. Uh, just you know, uh, based on you know life and stuff like that, and it's it becomes more and more difficult to maintain so many friendships. Um, but. Uh, if you have really true friends, uh, when you see them once in a while, uh, every now and then, uh, you 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 catch up immediately and you and you pick up where you left off. So, that's anyways. That's how I view things. I like it, Mackling. What about you? Well, it's my thirty fifth birthday, and uh, my buddy John and I uh, <laughs> grew up in Brandon at the same time. Never knew each other. Worked in the restaurant business in Winnipeg. 
never knew each other, even though his best friend dated my girlfriend's best friend, never met each other. We had to both move to Vernon, BC to meet one another. So we worked together for a long time. And uh, my 35th birthday, I was joking with them. You know, we're going to be out for dinner. Here's where we'll be. Here's where we'll be at what time. Always bugging me. He says, man, I can't come. I can't come. I kept looking for him, kept looking for him. And then my dad, my brother disappeared at one point. And even though I was expecting and hoping he was going to show up, he still managed to surprise me. I was giving some sort of little speech. Thank you to everybody for coming. I turned around. There he was behind me. And I broke down like a child and uh, hugged him. And even though I knew there was a chance and was hoping that he was going to show up, I was still as surprised as I could ever have been until about two hours later when we were out at the bar as a group and Benny, the Jets mascot, shows up on the stage with the band. And I'm like, what are the chances Benny's here on my birthday? Well, they were pretty good based on the fact that my other one of my other best friends had tracked down the Benny costume. <laughs> And had borrowed it for the night, and that was his surprise birthday present to me, was dressing up as Benny like at the bar. Th- like the Benny the costume. The Benny costume, the original one from the from the 1990s. Wow. Yeah. So uh, two huge surprises in one night, and uh, still warms my heart almost 25 years later, or almost uh, 20 years later. Forte, what about you? For me, it was a few years ago. My brother at the time was living in New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, my parents were at the cottage, so they had no idea that my brother was flying in. We didn't tell them. And so uh, when I went out to the cottage, went and picked up my uh, brother. He was staying at his in-laws. And uh, we showed up at the cottage, and I, I had to get my, my brother went into the back lane so my parents could see him. And uh, I had to lure my mom out by saying, somebody hit my car. Like, come take a look at my car. Snip my car. So she comes, and all of a sudden the dog starts barking. dog sees my brother, and uh, my mom's just in shock. My uh, dad wasn't at the cottage at the time. He was uh, taking a ride. And once he got back to the cottage, we had my brother hiding in the trailer. My parents had a trailer in the back of the cottage at the time. And I was like, so, Dad, I haven't seen the, the trailer yet. Can you show me around? Show me what the, what the trailer's like. And Dad opens up the door, and my brother just popped out. I thought my dad was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was great. Like, it was very, very... Uh, very, very emotional. Yeah, that, no kidding. That would be uh, wonder, lots of so many wonderful reunion stories here. Did you um, get a free ride home, though? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did um, you have to pay your deductible? Mine involves getting chicken. I didn't get a free ride home, but I got chicken. It's actually my mom. Um, and if you mentioned your 35th birthday, Greg, I think this might have been my 35th birthday, and it ties back to something that started in fourth grade. I remember on my birthday, my mom brought me some KFC to school just out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting her to show up, and she brought me some KFC, and it was one of those things we joked about and smiled about over the years. And then one day at work, I think it might have been my 35th birthday, so 10 years ago when we were over at Polo Park and I was out for a smoke and I came back upstairs and I don't know how we missed each other. I guess I went out one door and she came in the other because I walk into the newsroom and I look over and I think, hi, mom, (laughs) what are you doing here? And she said, well, it's your birthday. I brought you some KFC. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) I just sat there munching on my chicken, and uh, my as as my mom and Kathy gave each other a hug, Kathy Kennedy. Aww. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was my mom. I saw her every all the time, but in that context, it was a massive yeah. and wonderful surprise. So, she wanted to share that chicken skin with you guys, so you could fight over it. 
Yeah, who got the skin? That's right. We we used to fight over the the bigger pieces in the in the bucket when we got KFC because we wanted all the skin. <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start because one year ago this week, I can't believe this, one year ago this week, Russia invaded Ukraine. It's incredible when you say that, Brett. You think back to February 24th, 2022, that many of us watched the scenes unfold in Kyiv and other cities, air raid sirens sounding across the country. And since that moment, this is another fact that's hard to believe, eight million people have been displaced. They fled Ukraine. Thousands have come to Canada. Thousands more are still expected. So we have a growing refugee crisis, humanitarian crisis, and the ripple effects, as we all know, have hit pretty much every corner of this globe with security concerns, energy concerns, economic concerns. And so we want to bring on now David Perry, president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, to walk us what we've, walk us through what we learned over the past year. Good morning, David. Good morning to you. You know, we first started talking to you a year ago about this invasion and and security questions were always top of mind. Where do they sit for the rest of the world now, given the length of time for this war and and those ongoing nuclear questions? I think, uh, broadly speaking, a lot of them uh, remain unanswered and unresolved. Um, You know, thankfully, we haven't seen potential escalation to the nuclear uh, level like you just touched on. But uh, in Ukraine itself, um, the security situation remains grim, uh, even though the Ukraine's pushed the Russians back from the maximum extent of the territory they held. Uh, there's still active and horrific fighting that's underway, still massive dislocation of personnel. Um, and I think you've uh, seen some reports and indications that some of the impacts to civilians have actually been exacerbated in recent months, given the shift in some of the Russian tactics to start uh, targeting civilian infrastructure. Uh, so as we think about the future, um, bad situation and uh, the Ukraine is going to continue to need a wide range and have extensive support um, for months, if not years to come. Joe Biden showed up in Kiev over the weekend. And, you know, David, this is uh, what a lot of people are calling a, a symbol of the U.S. president's commitment to supporting Ukraine, despite some calls uh, back home in the United States to maybe scale back the support for Ukraine. And today, Russian President Vladimir Putin will address Russia in his annual State of the Nation address. Uh, that was pushed back from uh, late last year, if I'm not mistaken. What should we expect to hear there? Uh, just, just more of the same from Putin? Or is there something that something that that we might hear that you're hoping to hear from him? Uh, Well, I'd be hoping to hear that uh, they've concluded that what they're doing is delusional, uh, nonsensical, or the crimes against humanity, and they're going to wrap it up. But I don't think that that's uh, at all likely. Um, I would be expecting more of the same from uh, Putin, you know, basically a disconnect from the reality on the ground and and what's actually precipitated the conflict and how it's going. Uh, Yet to see any kind of indication uh, of a change in Russian mindset and actually the fact that uh, their offensives, um, which didn't wait to the spring, uh, which has been underway, I think, for a couple of weeks, uh, is, is ongoing as is an indication that they're not prepared to, to walk away from it. I do think it is uh, you know, worth reflecting a little bit on uh, President Biden's trip. Pretty remarkable. Uh, first trip by an American president into a war zone that the United States uh, didn't control um, substantively, or at least have uh, air superiority over. That's a pretty unique event, uh, like a pretty concrete uh, indication of, of America's ongoing support for Ukraine. Uh, and I think probably also a little bit aimed at uh, trying to assure people back in the United States um, that the uh, the president is, is can be more energetic and youthful than his actual age would indicate. 
What sort of pressures have this war put on economies around the world? Uh, a huge, a huge number and variety. Um, everything from impacts on food production uh, that the south, uh, southeast uh, and e- south of Russia, east of Ukraine, is uh, part of the world's breadbasket, uh, rich uh, uh, area for producing uh, international commodity grains, um, as well as sources of, of fertilizers. So there's been dislocations there. Uh, also, really substantive impacts to the the world's energy markets. Um, have seen some pretty substantive reconfigurations there. Europe basically working uh, at remarkable pace to de-link itself from uh, the Russian energy supplies that it had become very reliant on, um, but at the same time seeing um, the, the Russian market production get picked up in other parts of the world. So some really significant and consequential shifts uh, in terms of energy. And, and then I think the, the other big thing we're seeing play out right now is very consequential impacts to the international uh, defense industry uh, as we in the West try and support what uh, Ukraine is doing because uh, the level of pace of conflict there is uh, vastly outstripping uh, what we can produce on a on a weekly or monthly basis. In, in the sense that you know, we're tr- Canada keeps making contributions, but do we have any other contributions left to give, David, in terms of that military spending that we've put forward for Ukraine? I, I think we do. I think we're but we're basically out of options where we can kind of take off a proverbial shelf. Um, we've mm-hmm. done a lot of drawdowns on uh, the Army's existing supplies. Still waiting to see the government recommit to start restocking those, um, which is a little curious, both because uh, the Army needs it and because at this point, had we initiated that right away last spring, you know, you could be only a few months away from seeing some of that uh, some of that restocking actually come to fruition, either for our own army's needs or potentially for Ukraine. So what I think uh, we'd likely to see more of uh, is some more medium and longer term planning where the government, uh, which I think has given every indication that's going to remain committed to Ukraine, uh, works out some uh, production arrangements with some of our industrial base to try and um, increase their production. Because I think it's important to keep in context that whatever happens in the uh, the next couple of months or in the near term in Ukraine, this country is going to have huge defensive needs uh, going forward because it's uh, really taken a beating. And I don't think they will be in much of a position uh, to feel safe and secure with Russia on their doorstep unless Russia is completely um, uh, vanquished on the battlefield and sues for peace. David, is there any sign that the, you know, that that NATO, that there's a fracture in the support for Ukraine? Are there any countries that are making noise that that maybe they'd like to back off their support of of what's going on? I've seen some fleeting indications that uh, there is some uh, a bit of a breakdown there, and you know, I, I don't think that uh, it would be accurate to characterize the support is being kind of unanimous and, and all of the, the same mind. Um, we saw a bit of that discrepancy just over the last couple of months uh, related to the potential donation of tanks, as an example. But by and large, uh, especially when you consider where the alliance was uh, even just three years ago in terms of disunity, uh, big, uh, big disagreements across the, the Atlantic Ocean, I think there's been a remarkable degree of consensus uh, and uh, Uh, collegiality and collaboration on the part of the alliance. Um, So while there's always going to be some ups and downs, I think overall it's been a a pretty remarkable uh, achievement um, to maintain that degree of unity. David Perry is the president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Thank you very much for joining us, David. Much appreciated. Great to talk to you again. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. One of the things we're talking about today is the best people surprises 
that you ever got to experience. Joe Biden showed up unannounced in Kiev yesterday, which was a big surprise for many. So we're asking you, what was your big people surprise? What does Lisa have for us? On my 50th birthday, my group of BFFs, friends for 35 years, surprised me by driving two hours to surprise me at our cottage. I was sitting on my back deck reading, and one of the gals ran out the back door and yelled, surprise! I literally jumped out of my seat. They brought snacks, cupcakes, and champagne for a beach celebration. I love it. Doesn't have to be complicated, the surprise, you know? It's even sometimes when you do the popper inner. Like, are you a fan of someone popping in to yes, your house? big time. You like it, yeah. And sometimes it's great. You're just like, oh, good to see you. Sometimes you might want to close the blinds and hide. I guess it depends. <laughs> but I love the popper inner. I enjoy. I'm not a big fan of the pop in. Actually, as I say that, no, neither am I. But when it happens with most people, you enjoy it. But in the lead up to the possibility, the answer is I would say I'm not a fan. And uh, another 50th birthday party here. Note, this is an email from Rick to Brett at CJOB.com. My friends flew from San Francisco to Vancouver to surprise me at my 50th birthday party. To make the whole thing even better, Mike calls me as they're walking into the club where the party is being held. And he starts talking loud enough so that I can hear him over the phone, but also from behind me, where he is waiting with a big grin on his face. It was worth turning 54. I like that little note at the end. It was worth it. I didn't want to turn 50, but it was worth it to see my old mates. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, that, that whole conversation. I've been in that situation where it's like, I can hear that person, but I'm talking to them on the phone. and It's kind of a funky uh, funky position to be in. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win yourself some tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets take on the Los Angeles Kings next Tuesday, February 28th. Tell us about a people's surprise story for a chance to win. And coming up later this hour... We are going to share a story from Global News about how some rolled doll books are being altered. And the idea is to make them a bit more inclusive, a bit more modern, but some are screaming this is censorship to the max and should be stopped. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is a really interesting story. Author Roald Dahl, of course, known for penning his children's books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or James and the Giant Peach. Well, now his publisher, Puffin, is under fire for removing certain references to make sure his books, quote, can continue to be enjoyed by all today. Global's Mike Armstrong looks at some of the changes and how critics say these alterations equate to censorship. These people know no shame. This is one of those stories that slides right into a debate that's already raging. Altering the words of the actual author so they're not his own, yeah. uh, that is a crime against truth. I told you they were real! Roald Dahl created beloved characters, both for the page and the big screen. He sold an estimated 250 million books. But it's changes to the latest editions that have critics calling censorship. In one of the British author's books, a reference to the electric chair is replaced by an ejection seat. In one, witches are described as wearing wigs because they're bald. The new version adds, quote, there is certainly nothing wrong with that. I could eat six children before I'm full up. And editors have removed words considered offensive, like fat. Augustus Gloop, the character in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example, instead of being described as enormously fat, is simply enormous. 
Hand on heart, on this one, I think there is something to get exercised about. I think it's absolutely bonkers. Now, the changes were made by Puffin Books as part of an updating of the language. The publisher says it's kept the storylines and the spirit of Dahl's writings, and that they only made small changes after careful consideration. The rights to Dahl's works are owned by the Roll Dahl Story Company, run by his grandson, but that company was bought in 2021 by Netflix. Well, the company and the publisher worked on the changes with a British organization called Inclusive Minds. It's a group that pushes for modernizing children's literature. As an organization, uh, what we'd really like to see is a really diverse and inclusive um, children's book industry where books rep can represent every single child. Well, there are those praising the efforts. Dahl himself updated parts of his books. In the original Willy Wonka, the Oompa Loompas were referred to as, quote, pygmies from deepest and darkest Africa. It's a nonsense. But these latest changes have struck a nerve, from author Sir Salman Rushdie calling it absurd censorship. You're all quite short. The British Prime Minister's spokesperson saying fiction should be preserved, not airbrushed. Mike Armstrong, Global News. Man, I watched this story last night on Global National, and then I re-listened to it this morning, and I've been reading more up upon it, and I have to say, I sit in the camp where I don't think this is a good idea. I, I read those books growing up. I also reread some of them to my kids, and, and for sure, there are passages. I didn't have the edited versions where you're saying, okay, we wouldn't call somebody that, or that's not a nice word, or you, know, you stop and you have those conversations with your kids along the way, or you might just skip passages entirely as a parent. But to think that it's been permanently altered is concerning. And I know that there have been different literary groups in the States that have spoken out about this. Suzanne Nozzle is uh, with Pen America. And she says, you know, she's, she's all for the idea that we should create inclusive spaces. But when you start editing like this, you're, you're not just changing words, you might be changing ideas. And then where does it end? Where does it end in the editing of literature? And there's the idea that you might be doing it for good. Well, what about editing literature for bad? And so she's very concerned there's this slippery slope. And right now, as I consider this in this moment, I, I, I'm in the camp of agreeing with her. You cannot argue against books in their entirety being removed from libraries uh, across different parts of, of different countries around the world, including the United States, and then be in favor of this. Plain and simple. You know, that's the language of the time. And I'm all in favor of updating our language and how we respect and how we look at things and how we discuss them. But Loren, I, I agree with you 100% on this one. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're talking bear spray in a moment. But our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. As Manitoba works to recruit nurses from the Philippines, how do you feel about this effort? Your options are welcome as many as possible. Second option is we have to reduce the barriers slash red tape. And third option, doesn't the Philippines need its own nurses? Cast your vote at cjob.com. As police continue their search for two men wanted in a string of bear spray assaults, community advocates are asking what more could be done to prevent these kinds of attacks. Yeah, so according to Winnipeg police, the attacks involving bear spray jumped significantly in 2022, up some 40% over 2021. And I don't think a week has gone by where we haven't had reports of more Winnipeggers being hit and in some cases really hurt by bear spray and the subsequent assaults. And please say these attacks that happened on Sunday, the four that we're talking about in a matter of hours between 7.30 and, you know, one in the afternoon, they all happened in broad daylight and were completely random. 
The suspects uh, in all three incidences uh, are not uh, known to uh, the to uh, the victims uh, in each of the cases. Um, so we we can definitely ascertain from that information that these are random in nature and unprovoked. You know, and in these cases that we were talking about Sunday, they're just spraying to hurt the person. There's no subsequent robbery. It just seems so senseless and, and bizarre. And, and Greg, you used the word sort of like terrorism in a way. You're just terrorizing the city citizens of Winnipeg. And we know that the Justice Minister, Calvin Gertson, has been pushing for changes to the criminal code to include bear spray that is modified for use on people. So they want to make it so it would be considered a prohibited weapon when used on a human. And then, therefore, it would come with stringent bail conditions but we have other questions this morning before we get to catching the criminals 100 percent. like what about preventing its use limiting its accessibility sal burrows is a community advocate who has dedicated much of his life to try and push for changes that make us all safer sal good morning to you my friend good morning so let's it's talk colder. it's a little colder out there than ecuador where i was a week ago so uh I'm adjusting as <laughs> being home. One of our listeners said that uh, after three weeks in Mexico, he needs to put his toque and uh, hoodie on just to open up the fridge. So uh, maybe you're in that uh, in that boat with Herb. But uh, Sal, let's talk with the or start with the sale of hairs of uh, bear spray. You pushed for changes to the rules surrounding its sale in 2007. How is that supposed to work if it was working as as designed? Well, it's supposed to work is that bear spray is considered a pesticide under the federal act, and uh, nobody can sell it unless they have a pesticide sales license, which costs $100, and each unit, like if Canadian Tire is selling it, each store has to have a license. They have to have a person who's trained in it, and all staff must be aware, and anybody buying it must be read in front of the sales clerk the rules on use of it and sign that they understand this. Now, it wasn't nearly as tough as I wanted it to be, but, uh, you know, I I would say to Kelvin that, uh, you know, as much as we need, maybe need changes to the criminal code, uh, there's some stuff in our provincial government that we can do. Uh, You know, I didn't have much time, so I talked to a couple of inner city activist types and, and they were all quite surprised. They've say they've seen it being sold in corner stores and there's places that sell machetes and places like that that are selling it. And I'm sure they don't have a license. So number one, I'm into prevention. Uh, for the four people who got sprayed, it's horrible stuff. It is really miserable to get sprayed with bear spray. So the number one thing we should be doing is using whatever tool we can to limit the sale, keep that in- stuff out of the hands of the unfortunately mostly kids that end up uh, causing damage and i'd love to talk about the, the the randomness of it at some point as well so for somebody who, like i i've never been uh, in the vicinity of of bear spray what are the can you talk a little bit about the symptoms like it, this stuff is designed to get a bear away from you so when a human gets hit with bear spray what do they experience well first of all your eyes just go absolutely uh bright red and tearful and hurt, 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 hurt. If it, you get it in your mouth or your nose, uh, it Im- impacts on your breathing. Uh, it's just an overall um, miserable, miserable feeling. Now, you still have to get fairly close to a person or to a bear. When we did our research back in 2007, all of the uh, 
outdoor stores people said you know we sell this stuff to outdoors people but we really recommend bear bangers it's way more effective that the bear has to get pretty close to you before you spray them so uh, but for a human being it's a very miserable experience so perhaps there's room for conversation about you know i i know the province says they don't want to ban bear spray because it, it's potentially needed in the wilderness, but maybe it's not. And so we, that's part of that conversation. But before we get there, Sal, you just mentioned you wanted to talk about the randomness of this. And that's what stood out to us this morning too. You know, random, unprovoked, just people going around spraying and then running away laughing. Like, I don't know what. And I'm, I'm curious what random assaults do to sort of the psyche of a neighborhood because it's one thing to say okay i walked into a situation i walked into a party i knew it was going to go bad i should have left versus just walking down the street during the day and having someone spray me with this we had an event uh, last summer uh, where kids sprayed a family who were at uh, our community center and uh, you know it it totally discouraged a whole bunch of families from going to that community center and it was totally random. They didn't know each other. Uh, the kids were banned from the from the center. I was upset that the police did not follow, even though they knew who did the spraying, did not follow up and make arrests on it. Um, you know, the one of the issues we have with young people is there's so little for them to do in the inner city. And uh, you know, I'm you know I'm a strong supporter of the police action against violent crime. But we've got to do some prevention. And, you know, I used to be an inner city rec director. We used to have teams. I had the toughest kids around playing soccer and rugby and whatever sport was available. And now there are no teams. There's, the community centers are dead. Um, you know, our mayor has talked about crime prevention, yet he's been, was as finance chair, uh, part of cutting back on fi- on programming at uh, inner city community centers you know i want you know I, I i go back to the 13 year old girls who are being arrested with knives sorry getting off bear spray you know when i was a rec director i i had a program of girls gymnastics and 50 kids showed up every every week and they didn't have to register they didn't have to pay an, uh, a fee Everything now is so organized that for poverty families, um, they just aren't able to take advantage of recreation. So, sorry, I'm getting off the track here. No, I think you have something there, Sel. I think you have something there with regard to the prevention and the root causes of people getting involved with these situations. But you mentioned machetes and, you know, tongue in cheek here, but also quite serious. Like, are machetes and bear spray sold in a set in our city because it feels like if it's yep. not a bear spray attack, somebody's attacking someone with a machete here. And yep. so the brazenness of some of these attacks, what is it that that's going on here? Are these, uh, are these initiations into gangs? Like what, what is that? The, what is at the core that, that, that these kids have, have the, the willingness to, to, to perpetrate these sorts of attacks on, on their fellow citizens? Well, there's two issues here. One is the availability. We have stores in the inner city that sell illegal knives, machetes, bear spray, etc. And we have uh, rules on a lot of these things. And there's no no inspectors going around inspecting. We have inspectors going to the pawn shops, but every, everybody knows where they can go and buy this this stuff. Secondly, you know, it, it's one of the things that I've been trying to get into people's heads around crime 
generally is it's not just an individual crime. It's just not these individual kids that are committing those crimes. They're living in a milieu where that is sort of acceptable. And as you said, they go away laughing where that ups their standards within their group. And it goes back to, you know, you know, I've been campaigning on the school absenteeism, the whole set of things that in middle-class families are assumed that kids go to school, that they go to the community center, they're on a sports team, they get involved in uh, even video gaming competitively. In the inner city, none of that is available. But what is available are the drug dealers, the people who encourage negative behavior, and, you know, they're there 24-7, where the social workers and others are, you know, go home at at, uh, 4.30, other than the police, we have really no positive influence out there uh, after 4.30. And those kids need positive role models, positive activities, and a, a social force that is countering that negative behavior that is encouraged in the inner city. So we only have about 60 seconds. No, no, this is why we have you on because you're so passionate about it, but we do only have about a minute left here, but we do want to just sneak this in, you know, because we've had shop owners on before who say they are following the rules, but it's the online sales that are really contributing to this problem. So what do you think about that? Well, that's obviously a, obviously a real issue. And, You know, in our day and age, uh, it's it's very easy for uh, police force or Department of Agriculture, who is responsible, to track who's selling those things and set set up if it's coming across the border to set up an alert for anything that's coming from such and such a, a company or address to hold it and seize it. Um, these are doable things that are done by artificial intelligence. We're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence. Let's use some intelligence in stopping the sales of uh, bear spray and other illegal items coming across the border or being sold within Canada. You know, let's prevent stuff. We can get out there. We've got the skills. We need to be ahead of the game or at least equal to the negative uh, criminals and people taking advantage of uh, making money off uh, potential criminal behavior. Uh, Come on, let's go. Sel Burroughs, community advocate, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sel, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. Thanks for having me on. Take care. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Last chance to get in on those Winnipeg Jets tickets for next Tuesday's game against Los Angeles. We are asking you to tell us about your best people surprises. Time somebody surprised you just by being there. 204-780-6868. In the meantime, we want to revisit something, a topic that we introduced to you just after 7.50, and it has to do, Loren, with changing some of Roald Dahl's books. Yeah, so he wrote books like Chocolate, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, The Twits, James and the Giant Peach, and it turns out that there has been some work over the past com- couple of years, a concerted effort to make these books more acceptable to readers in modern times. And so uh, they started off with a British newspaper, went through new editions of his books and found that there was a lot of passages that related to weight, mental health, gender, race. They had been altered. So, for example, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you might remember Augustus Gloop. He's the guy who I think drinks from the Chocolate River. And then gets stuck in the tube and, yeah. and gets pulled up, right? He was described as enormously fat. 
Well, now in the new versions, he's just enormous. In the new edition of Witches, a supernatural female posing as an ordinary woman, now maybe working as a top scientist as opposed to a cashier in a supermarket because there was concerns about how women were portrayed in that book. And so these little alterations have been made along the way, and it's called all sorts of controversy because there are groups that work on inclusion, Greg, that are saying, well, this is good. We want to create books that are more inclusive. And others like authors are weighing in to say like, hang on, no, this is terrible because this is censorship. We're taking his words and not just changing the words in them, but maybe changing an entire thought or idea. So is the question, if you don't like a book or what's in it, don't read it to your kids or it, should it be you read it, but you kind of make those adjustments along the way where you say, okay, you know what? We shouldn't call somebody that, or here's why mom doesn't like this passage right here. Let me explain to you why that's not correct. Or do you just not read it all together? I'm, I, I'm been torn about this, but I'm not loving the idea that they did this. Well, I think you made three points there, sort of three options. And I would go with the third or the second one rather. And that is to, to keep it as it is. And then have a conversation with your kids as to why we don't use these words anymore or why we use them less or or examine the context. And Dr. Seuss, there were some changes made to Dr. Seuss books a handful of years ago. And, and I see a difference there, a, a subtle one, because there's still a family of Dr. Seuss involved in the legacy of those books. And so with the doctor, with uh, the Roald Dahl books, uh, based on the report from Mike Armstrong, those stories are now owned by Netflix. So there's nobody from, you know, representing Roald Dahl in a, in a family sense or, or necessarily protecting the legacy of those stories from, from that point of view. So this might feel a little bit hypocritical, but I, I don't mind. Uh, th- this is just the way I feel. The, the Dr. Seuss books were made, the changes were made by, by the organization that protects the, the heritage and the, protects those stories long term. And they made a, a decision to make those changes themselves. Where, where's the pressure coming from to change these books by Roald Dahl? Where's the, publicize, where's the publicity surrounding these changes? Like It feels as though that this has been done and now we're discovering that it's done. The idea that, that language changes over time is one that I'm completely comfortable with. We do have to evolve. Our languages evolve. Words don't mean the same today as, as they did 60 years ago. Not all of them. Most of them are the same, but there are a handful of, of words that you would never use now that we used all the time when we were kids. And so that's changed. And so how do we manage that and at the same time, Brett, not be viewed as, as revising history messing with literature and at the same time stand up and say, well, you can't pull that entire book out of a library in in Florida, Texas, or Tennessee. We had a conversation just in recent weeks about how shows we like have changed over time or the way that we might view them or we might sort of raise an eyebrow. You watch an episode of Seinfeld of Friends, you reference Family Ties, Greg, and maybe viewing it through a modern lens, it might surprise you, but I don't think anybody's saying let's lock those shows up and throw them away. You just have to sort of remember that these they're a product of their time. Even a movie like Tropic Thunder, remember that movie that came sure out with do. Ben Stiller and Robert Downey Jr. That yep. movie came out in two thousand eight, and Robert De- and it was a satire and was sort of a, a, you know a fun silly movie. But Robert Downey Jr.'s character, as you may remember went through a blackface transformation to take on a, a specific role. And it, it caused a bit of controversy, but I, I don't think that movie gets made today. But when you even that even a movie that's 15 years old, you just got to remember, well, it was made 15 years ago. 
and you still, and I so I don't understand why we have this need to to go in and try to change things. If if the if the artist wants to go back and change it, well, whatever. Like look at what George well, Lucas did with the Star Wars movies. That's up to him. And, right? he, and he drove his fans bonkers by making all these changes, but he still did it, and or he's still idea- tinkering with them. Well, or, or have a disclaimer. Like, there's a lot of movies now that aren't redone to alter what may be offensive in them. They have the disclaimer at the front. There's a lot of Disney movies that you maybe don't want your kid to watch that were made 40 years ago that have, the, you know, this subject matter. You, times have changed. You know, you might, might want to view this with a different lens. We recognize that some of these scenes are hurtful. There's all sorts of disclaimers at the top of that. Would that work in the book as opposed to altering it? Yeah, I mentioned I saw that on the Game Show Network of all places. Match Game PM <laughs> that with Gene Lord. Some, right? some of those game shows, yes. You watch that now and you think, who is saying that? Like, what year is this that I'm watching? Yeah, and so, but that doesn't detract from the popularity and the fact that people want to see these shows again. You're not going to scrub them from history. At least I hope that's we're nowhere near going down that road. But the Game Show Network, it's a fairly lengthy statement at the beginning of of each segment of that show, basically acknowledging we understand you're going to hear some things that might be a little bit startling, and these these shows are from the times and of the times, and that's just the way it is, but consider yourself forewarned. Ty, and he, I won't reference which town, but Ty texting us earlier this morning when we first talked about this, at uh, 204-780-6868. I just heard the story about changing literature, and I'm appalled. I feel like I've moved to a small town, and there's no dancing around aloud, and all they do is burn books. I think we just need to cut. I think everybody should cut. Everybody should cut Footloose. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you today to tell us what your best people surprises for a chance to win tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets next Tuesday against the Los Angeles Kings. And one of our runners-up, Mr. Mackling, from John and the Lime Green. About 20 years ago, my dad was celebrating his 80th birthday in Vancouver. I decided to surprise him. I went to England first and brought his two favorite nieces over. I knocked on, on his door and he was surprised to see me. Then I told him, look who I found wandering around the airport. Then my cousin came around the corner. His smile was huge ear to ear. We went inside and went out on the balcony. I went to open the door and brought my other cousin in. They walked out to the balcony and she said, what am I, chopped liver? We had a wonderful (laughs) week with them and a great 80th party. I love surprises, says John in the lime green. And that is commitment. Like to go to England first, yeah, to grab the nieces and then out to Vancouver. Outstanding. Well done, John in the lime green. That's a solid runner up. As always, it's a difficult choice. But Loren, today, Roxanne wins the day. The surprise I will never forget, Roxanne says, in 1981, the parents of our flower girl hosted a surprise wedding engagement party for us in October 1981. We thought we were just attending a Halloween party at their home. I dressed up as a mummy, completely covered from head to toe with strips of cotton. My mother's patiently wrapped my body, she says. My fiancé dressed as Charlie Chapman. We show up at the party home only to realize they were throwing a surprise engagement party for us as our wedding was going to be in June of 82. We were the only ones dressed up in a Halloween costume, but I will never forget that party. 
It's going to be our 41st anniversary this summer. We have five adult kids. We are still best friends with that family. My husband and I, by the way, have not attended a Jets game together and would love to go. <laughs> uh, I like how she threw that in as an aside. He went to one with our daughter, and she's been to one with her daughter-in-law, but not together. And then she mentions the couple that hosted the party. They had their second child born the evening of our wedding social. So they missed our social in the end, <laughs> to, to which, which you had to follow up. <laughs> yes, I said, how dare they? How dare they? And how dare their kid? And that reminded me about how one of my buddies missed my birthday 16 years ago. Was that uh, Alive in the District at Bannatine and Rory? And I think it's Bannatine. And uh, yeah, I missed it. he missed my birthday because his son was being born. <laughs> so I joked. I always joke with him. Selfish little brat. You know what Don't I you say? love? When big things happen and people will say, sorry, like, sorry, I didn't call you back. Like I was in hospital. Sorry, I didn't call you back. But we had our second baby. You're like, are you apologizing right now? Yeah. I get it. There's a lot of excuses I do get. And that was it. I was, it was the text. I, I texted him and said, hey, buddy, just checking in. Are you, are you coming? And he said, oh, sorry, man. We're on our way to the hospital. Right. Mylene's about to give birth to our son. So can't you just drop her off? Come by for a couple hours? <laughs> it's not that far from Health Science Center. <laughs> Kids ruin everything. It's right at the end of the street. Also, as an aside, have you ever been that person who showed up in a, in a costume to realize no one else was dressed up in a costume? It's the worst. I remember going to Euphoria with some friends. Euphoria used to be a bar at Windsor Park Inn. Now it's a Tavern United. And um, it was a Saturday before Halloween. Pretty sure the Halloween was either the Monday or Tuesday. And I just assumed that people would be dressing up in costumes. So I put on my Mankind costume from wrestling. So like it's a it's a it's a, it's a That's big, elaborate. It's a big costume. And um, I got to the bar and realized that I was the only person uh, in a really? costume. It was a great costume, but in that context, I felt like a fool. And I was so embarrassed. You stayed? Yeah, I stayed. I Could stayed. you just take some of it off? I took the mask off. Yeah. Did it, how do I put this politely? Did it work out for you? No. No. Okay. No. I just basically sat in the corner and suffered for four hours and toughed it out. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I uh, can't believe that. You think in that demo you'd have a ton of people dressed up. I know. I guess there there were other parties happening Monday and Tuesday and everybody was saving saving up their Halloween parties for then. I don't know. So whatever. It's embarrassing. Don't be that one person who shows up in a costume when no one else is. But congratulations, Roxanne. You win the Jets tickets. Have fun.